Super Talk Mississippi media production. Find your new ride at Kia McCombs all-new location at the corner of I-55 and Highway 98. Come find out why McComb loves Kia McComb at the corner of I-55 and Highway 98. Right on the corner, right on the price. Celebrating the amazing people of coastal Mississippi and across this great state who are working hard to make this a great place to live, work, and play. This is the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk 103.1. Welcome to the Ricky Matthews Show where we celebrate every single day the amazing people who are working so hard to make this such a wonderful place to live, work, and play. You know, I talk a lot about music on this on this show. I, I love talking about music. I have a musical background, and it's something very special to me. And uh, like I enjoy my times with Steve Azar, for example, who's written, you know, I think he's written like a thousand songs, including the state song for Mississippi, One Mississippi, which is the theme song for Super Talk Outdoors, my outdoor show that plays on Mondays at noon. But anyway, uh, I, I, I enjoy understanding what makes musicians tick. And uh, I came across this this uh, quote from Louis Armstrong the other day, and I thought it was terrific, and it's, it's so right. He said this, musicians don't retire. They stop when there's no more music in them. You know, music is a an emotional journey for, for musicians, and I, I guess you 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 you're a musician until your death but the, I think about songwriters and what where that songwriter uh inspiration comes from I saw an incredible documentary recently about Jelly Roll and Jelly Roll spent the first part of his life from like the age of 14 or 15 years old until uh, long after you know I, I think you know until he was in his early 20s in in, in prison and uh if you want to study a story of redemption. You need to study Jelly Roll's life and look at his music. Uh, his song "Save Me," which he actually posted during the pandemic, it was he wrote it and posted it in with like an hour long session, and he posted it directly to YouTube, and it went on to get hundreds of millions of views. He has now uh, reached over a billion views as an artist. But it, that that posting of that song "Save Me" ended up, you know, leading to signing with a major uh, production company, and uh, he's, you know, the the rest is kind of history. He's, do, he's doing extremely well. But you know, I still think it's going to be interesting to watch his life because he still drinks a little bit, he smokes pot, he does. You know, it's sad to see him dabbling, but considering where he came from. Um, it's uh, he's had a he's had a tough life, but boy, there's so much inspiration and in people like. Jelly Roll, who is seeking redemption, and uh, I don't see him retiring soon. He's got, he's got a lot of music still in him and a lot of inspiration to give. But I enjoyed that that quote from uh, Louis Armstrong. Now let's uh, shift gears and move over to my friend Jeff Duncan from NOLA.com and the Times Picayune. And first of all, just say good morning. How you doing, Jeff? Good morning, Ricky. I'm doing great. It's great to hear yeah. from you, Louis Armstrong, man. You can't be from New Orleans and not have a, an incredible appreciation for him, huh? Yeah. You know, it's funny um, uh, hearing you tell that story about Jelly Roll. I mean, Louis Armstrong had a very similar, you know, experience. I mean, he didn't really hit it big till late in his career. He had, you know, got arrested, of course, famously in New Orleans. And um, it just goes to great lessons there for everyone. But the impact that the music in this city, in this region, has had on the rest of the world is 
amazing. I mean, you can see it every summer when Trombone Shorty tours on his world tour and it has packed houses all over the world. Uh, so it's still going strong here in this city. Yeah, I was uh, I was in the city as uh, Trombone Shorty's uh, career was really beginning to take off. And, uh, you know, first of all, he's an extraordinarily talented guy, you know, that first of all. But secondly, he is an incredible entertainer. And so when you mix the fact that he's so in, he's so talented with the fact that he's a great entertainer and, uh, you know, with his very creative music and he has uh, he's really done well. I, I, he's a little bit like some of the Delta artists uh, for, coming from the Mississippi Delta. When they're in the Delta, people sort of take them for granted. But when they go to places like Europe, they're they're applauded in tremendous ways. Right. I mean, they're they're you know they they, they play to packed houses, et cetera. That's a little bit Trombone's uh, Shorty's story, isn't it? Yeah, and it's very similar. I mean, look at just the New Orleans rap scene with Juvenile and Manny Fresh. They're a good example. I mean, Cash Money Records, we've got No Limit, that group that came out of here. We all tend to take it for granted here. And then they just, last week, I don't know if you saw it, they did a Tiny Desk concert at NPR in Washington, D.C., that famous series of small concerts in the newsroom at NPR. And it's one of the most viewed Tiny Desk concerts in the history of that series. And they've had the biggest artists in all genres of music. It just blew up on the Internet. Yeah. Uh, so it's just a good example of the impact that this music has had all over the world. Well, if you, you know, again, you look at these artists, the ones that have done extraordinary well, meant so many coming out of New Orleans, is that when what drives them is that what's that they're coming from a place usually of a lot of pain. And they're, they're wanting to get that creativity out and write about that. And they write in a way that, 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 that connects to people and people want to, they want to be inspired. They want to. They want to hear their stories and songs. Um, that's a lot. Jelly Roll's story. And what's interesting about Jelly Roll, and this is true of a lot of the artists in New Orleans as well, I might add, that his his tendency to want to give back when he's on tour, he, he goes to juvenile detention centers and speaks to the people there. A lot of young people who really don't even know who he is because they've had such a troubled life, they haven't really had the opportunity to pay attention. And his goal is to give back. Um, and he's kind of on a mission now because you know a lot of a lot of juveniles get in, involved in crime, and they do seek redemption, but they have a felony. And once you get a felony, it's hard to you, you know you can't buy a home, you know you can't get insurance. And, and he's on a bit of a mission to say we don't focus enough in this country on those who have sought redemption and found it. And you know how do you not carry that felony with you the rest of your life and live in some kind of diminished way as a result of it? But a lot of a lot of great stories that come from that. Louis Armstrong, just one of the one of the many great stories for sure. Um, so man, uh, we're in a little bit of a lull now with the Saints as we as we approach uh, training camp. Uh, what are you hearing these days? Man, it's not far away, Ricky. It'll be here before you know it. I mean, basically they report they'll be traveling on July 24th and. First day will be the 25th, and first practice will be the 26th. So uh, it's right around the corner, uh, and it'll be here. And I, I've always said every year, uh, training camp opens, and you just you look up, and it's February. The season's over. I mean, it, it's amazing how quickly it goes once football season starts. Uh, I think to myself every year, how you know how remember this moment as they're kicking off the opening game, and sure enough, it, it just flies by. There's just a lot of optimism right now. We've talked about it before. 
Uh, I think the, the arrival of Derek Carr has really spurred a lot of confidence in the building, not only from the players and coaches, but also from the sports staff. Just about everyone's excited. And I'm now I've gone to the I've gone to the arc, Ricky. I've gone from, you know, having low expectations to kind of getting caught up and seeing how well Derek Carr's one adjusted, how how quickly he's mastered the offense, how quickly he's stepped into the role of the face of the franchise. And now I'm starting to go over the other side and go back to tempering because I feel like this time of year is the time of year when everyone kind of gets carried away and you do have to kind of check everything. Because I do think this team has a lot of reasons to be optimistic, but I also think there's a lot of things that have to go right. There's a lot of question marks that I think a lot of us are taking, assuming are going to be answered. And I, I still think there's reason to be cautious. You're cautious dude, Jeff Duncan. You always have been. Um, you're paid to be cautious. You're you're paid to think about what could go wrong or what might not be as right as everybody thinks it is. You're, you're not a bandwagon guy. In fact, if everybody else is on the bandwagon, you're finding the nearest exit. That's just your approach. Because you're a columnist. Your, your goal is to evaluate what you see and be real and not get caught up in, in all of it. But, you know, the, the truth is, I agree with you. There's a there's a lot of optimism. We've been here before with a lot of optimism, and it didn't turn out very well for us. What's different, though, since Drew Brees left is the fact that we've got a quarterback that may be able to run this, this offense. And that makes you more optimistic, for sure. You've got the Alvin Kamara thing that's still hanging out there. That's a little scary to think about. And, you, you know, if you look back at last year, even though this time last year, you remember this. I went back and looked at this. You and I were talking a lot about having brought on a new training staff. And, you know, that was going to help us do things differently. And maybe we would cut down on the injuries. And then we get into the season. And sure enough, a lot of these, like, nagging injuries came back. You know, it was just a very frustrating season from 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 an injury point of view. Uh, will we be haunted in that way again? You know, because as you pointed out, we've got some we got some good first team players, but we you know the depth in certain positions may not be there. You guys have talked about this uh, at NOLA.com. It it's uh, anything can happen still, right? As we get into training camp, the right injury with the right person, or uh, Alvin Kamara getting getting put on some kind of. Uh, of, uh, of a situation where he can't play uh, for an extended period of time. There's a lot that could go wrong, isn't there? Yeah, those are the things I'm talking about. I mean, the Alvin Kamara situation looms over the whole franchise. I mean, he's the best offensive player they have. And I know they, they have a contingency plan with Jamal Williams and drafting Kendra Miller, but yeah, it's a stretch to think either one of those guys is going to replace Alvin Kamara. So there's just so many questions like that. Some of the older players on defense, at some point, Cam Jordan, DeMario Davis are going to drop off. It's inevitable. They're in their mid-30s. It's amazing they've gone this long. So, you know, there's just a lot of things that I think you assume is going to be right that could easily go wrong just as much as they could go right. No doubt. A little scary, but still, uh, so far, so good. We're in a good holding pattern headed toward training camp. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Jeff Duncan. Listen live or on demand and watch episodes of The Ricky Matthews Show on your laptop, desktop, or your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgulfcoast.com. 
His passion and love for coastal Mississippi is why he's here. This is the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk 103.1. Welcome back to the Ricky Matthews Show. It's Friday here on the on my show, and I always enjoy having Jeff Duncan from NOLA.com and the Times-Picayune. He's on the Hall of Fame, NFL Hall of Fame Selection Committee. He's an awarded journalist and columnist, and he's just an overall sports expert. We talk a lot about Saints, especially this time of year as we're headed toward training camp. Listen, the Alvin Kamara situation, you and I have talked about it many times. If you haven't viewed the tape, You got to go view the tape. It's hard to watch. And that's not the only tape we have now, unfortunately, is it, uh, Jeff? No, I mean, I think the the key for the the defense right now, I mean, I'm sorry for the prosecution, is going to be this audio and videotape from the, I don't know if it's the taxi or or just the car service uh, had audio and video of Alvin Kamara and and his group of friends after the fight basically showing them showing very little remorse almost bragging about the incident and that that's going to be hard to overcome i think for them uh, at trial now they obviously feel confident that they wouldn't have gotten this far most legal experts that i've talked to thought that it never would have gotten this far so there's something that they feel good about uh, but it's still an uphill climb and even if he is you know if he gets off somehow found not guilty the league can still and probably will still suspend him to some degree. And usually the minimum is six games. So I think it, no matter what, we're looking at a six game suspension for violation of the personal conduct policy. Uh, so that's certainly going to be significant if they have to start the season without their best offensive player. And this is all going to play out uh, uh, late July, August. Um, we have a DA in Las Vegas that is locked and loaded. And uh, so, as Jeff pointed out, the minimum is six, six weeks, six, excuse me, six games. Uh, the worst thing that could happen, frankly, is that he would end up in jail. I mean, oh, yeah. he would end up it's, in jail for some period of time. And, and, and on top of that, having a suspension. Yeah, that's a possibility. That's why the team is, you know, rightfully so. They, they've kind of prepared for this. Dennis Allen talked about it. Uh, that's why they went and got Jamal Williams. Now, Jamal Williams is a very good player. Uh, you know, he solidly led the NFL in rushing touchdowns, 17 last year. Now, now he's not going to hit that again. You never came close to that before. It's kind of an outlier season. But he's a very good short yardage back. I think people have to understand he's not Alvin Kamara. I mean, there's only one of those guys in the league. Christian McCaffrey may be the other one close to that that has the all-around ability in the passing game and the running. Uh, but Jamal Williams is a good, solid player. He's going to get the yards that are there. He's not going to break long runs. That's not his game. Uh, but he's going to get the yards that are there. And with this offensive line, uh, they should be able to run the ball. And Kendra Miller, now he's a little bit more of a guy that could break a long one. We didn't see him in the offseason because he was coming off knee surgery. Uh, but he will be available at training camp. So it will be really something I'm going to focus on is these running backs because the Saints have to be able to run the ball to be effective. And uh, that's something I know they want to improve on, and it should happen with the return to health of the offensive line. And one of the things that we relied on Alvin Kamara to do over the course of his career is catch the ball coming out of the backfield. And maybe one of the, you know, obviously you want a very diverse offense, but maybe one of the reasons we're hearing more about Taysom Hill catching the ball is that you know they they they, they recognize that they may have an issue with uh, with losing. 
uh, with losing Kamara and just have to be, you know, want to use Taysom Hill. Because you know, the thing about Kamara is once you got the ball to him out there in the flats, he could break and, you know, could, could really get some yardage in. And the same thing is true with Taysom Hill. But uh, you, we're going to probably see a little bit more of Taysom Hill as a receiver this year, aren't we? That's what he talked about, yes, especially at the tight end position. I think that's an area where the Saints definitely have, have improved. I think we're going to see an improved Jawan Johnson. Uh, you know, he made that conversion over from wide receiver, had a really breakout season last year, got rewarded with a big contract. They brought in Foster Moreau from the Raiders, who Derek Carr is very comfortable with. And then Taysom Hill, obviously, is a, a big-time playmaker that also can fortify that position. So they've got a lot of options at tight end. I think the receiver position's interesting. Mike Thomas coming back, how healthy can he be? How Will he stay healthy? And then they brought in a bunch of veteran guys, you know, James Washington, Kiki Cote, Lynn Bowden, uh, you, you know, just go, go down the list of uh, uh, Brian Edwards who played with Carr with the Raiders. All these guys brought in to fortify their depth behind Chris Olave and the other second-year player, Rashid Shaheed. So I think they're better at receiver, but there's, again, question marks there. You know, can Mike Thomas stay healthy? That You know, that's a huge, uh, you know, I think part of their season. Not very many guys in the NFL, once they get past 30 at receiver, start improving. <laughs> they usually start going down. So, and he's coming off three years of basically injuries. So to me, it'll be interesting to see what kind of Mike Thomas the Saints get. You know, I continue to to be you know interested in watching Mike Thomas's at least what he posts about his workouts. And um, I, I'm trying to recall. I guess it maybe last week I saw a video of him. Um, I'm trying to remember. Uh, he was he was lifting. So oh, squatting, a, a, just a tremendous amount of weight. And dude, you don't do that amount of weight if you are not really on your game. You got to work out a lot to do that. He, this guy takes his, I mean, this, when you say he's got different people he's working with to do his exercising and workouts and all this other stuff, he, it's not a way to, it's not in a way to avoid what the saints are doing. He really takes his working out very seriously. Oh yeah. He, he's, he's maniacal about it. He's always had that work ethic and that drive and look, this is a huge year for him. I mean, we've talked about it. I mean, he's on a one year deal. Uh, this is a show-me season for him. He's basically had to take huge pay cuts. Uh, he hasn't been been healthy or productive the last three years. So this is a huge year. I think the Saints are going to get the best version of Mike Thomas they've ever had this year because there's a lot is on the line for him. If he has a productive season, stays healthy, he's probably going to sign a, another big contract, whether it's here or on the open market and free agency. But it's a big year. That's why I think we're going to see – Mike Thomas, mind his P's and Q's on and off the field because he knows there's a lot at stake. Man, you look at where Shahid advanced to last year. You think of Alave and you know how he looks so far this year. You think about Juwan Johnson. You think about Michael Thomas. You think about Taysom Hill. There's some there's some firepower there. That's uh, Carr's got to be pretty darn excited about all that. Yeah, and I think it all comes down to the offensive line, like always, as long as they stay healthy. And they have to play better than they did last year. Even when they were healthy, they, they weren't up to the standards that they had before. And I think a big key to that, Ricky, is going to be Trevor Penning. You know, they, they invested a first-round draft pick. They traded up to select him. And then he got hurt last year and really missed the whole season. 
Uh, he's at the most important position on the line, the left tackle position. Uh, you know, that's a big, that's another big question mark. I mean, he has talent, uh, but you can see, you know, that he's still going to have a learning curve. Uh, he's not a great pass protector right now. That's something he's going to get a trial by fire. Everyone's going to test him uh, as, as the blindside blocker for Derek Carr. So that's another question where everybody just assumes, like, I, you know, you always talk about me being cautious. I mean, it's the it's reality. This is a guy playing left tackle. I mean, for years they had Teron Armstead there. He was one of the best pass blocking left tackles the league's seen in the last decade. Uh, so Trevor Penning has the ability, but he's raw. He played at Northern Iowa, so and he and he's coming off an injury. So that's another question I have: uh, What kind of learning curve is he going to have going into the season? Have you seen him lately? Because uh, you, you, I remember you describing him as a beast of a man. And does he look like he's in shape and ready to roll? Well, yeah, he's been definitely was at the offseason workouts, but he wasn't practicing because you know he's coming off of Liz Frank surgery. Uh, he and Cesar Ruiz both were in the same boat. Neither one of them working out. That's why this camp's going to be so big, because you've got guys, two offensive linemen. Uh, you've got Mike Thomas, uh, all these key moving parts on offense that have yet to get in the huddle with Derek Carr. So there's a lot to, you know, to kind of coalesce during those few weeks of training camp before the season starts on offense. The defense was pretty healthy, but offensively, there was just a lot of guys coming back from injuries. Taysom Hill is one, too. Uh, you know, that didn't get a lot of time with Carr. That's why this camp is going to be so important offensively. You know, you we, we don't talk, you know, we, we did at some point along the way, but more recently we haven't talked much about the defense and other than the two uh, key players, leaders on the team and their ages. When you think about, like, say, the defensive, defensive backs and what we have there, man, we've got a lot to work with. This team has a lot of firepower on defense, don't they? Well, the secondary is the strength of the whole team. I mean, they're deep at every position. Now, Marcus May, the other safety with Tyron, Tyron Matthew, he's facing a suspension, too, for an incident uh, a couple of years ago that's finally going to come home to roost. I don't think that's going to be six games. It's probably going to be less, but he's going to probably be out. So that's another area where they're going to have to you know, have a, a contingency plan. But it won't matter how good the secondary is, Ricky, if they don't play better up front on the defensive line, they lost a lot of firepower. They lost Marcus Davenport, David Onyemata, Caden Ellis, the linebacker, who was number two on the team in sacks. So the pass rush, who's going to step up? And is Cam Jordan at age 34 going to continue to defy father time? Those are question marks I have because that's where it all starts up front. It's going to be going to be so interesting. Jeff Dunk, it's been a pleasure to catch up with you, my friend. Thanks for joining us. All right. Have a great weekend, Ricky. Everybody out there. We'll talk next week, bud. You bet. Hey, when we come back, we have T. McCovey going to be joining us from the United Way of Jackson County, and we'll talk a little bit about Moss Point uh, to you know keep that conversation going. We'll see you after this break. Subscribe for free to the Ricky Matthew Show podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.